Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Y'all good? Everybody's feeling good? Yeah. It's the end of the weekend. That's never good, but I know, I know, but at least we have one. I'm going to turn my head around backwards so y'all can see this good looking face of mine. Not really. Hey, so I'm excited to be with y'all tonight. I love... I love Watershed and just y'all. Like, I love being with y'all. I love hanging out with y'all. If I hadn't met you, once I meet you, I'm sure I'll love you. You got to be pretty deplorable for me not to love you. But maybe some of you are. I don't know. That's on you. But, um, but some of you know me. Some of you know me well. Some of you don't know me at all. My name is Rip, by the way. I work with Watershed here at Perimeter Church. Um, and so some of you know I, I grew up on a horse farm. Okay, it was a big couple hundred acre horse farm, and some other family were there, a total country boy. And, um, but I got everything I wanted growing up, pretty much everything I asked for. Like, I was, I was pretty spoiled. I was an only child. Um, back then, my, my parents were wealthy, my grandparents were wealthy, and so I got everything I wanted. Um, I, I remember a lot of times I was the first one at my school to have, like, the latest and greatest. I remember uh, sixth grade. Before, do y'all know what Reebok pumps are? Yeah? Okay. Do they still make them? Is that still a thing? Well, so like the very first ones were in 1989, and actually Nike made them. These are the first Reebok pumps. These were cutting edge. Okay, right before that were Nikes called Nike Air Pressures. Nobody knows about them. They were awful, but they were super expensive. They looked like space boots, like they had hard plastic on them. Like you put them on, it was like, oh, look at my new basketball shoes. And it's like, like you can't even hardly lift your legs. You know what I mean? And the way you pump those up, like the cool ones, Reebok, like see, he's like reaching down, pumping the little the basketball on the tongue. These had this like air thing on the heel of your foot and it had a separate pump that you had to connect to it. Like that's how bad this design was. But I tell you this, I always had a line of sixth grade kids wanting to pump up my shoes. Like they just thought it was the coolest thing. And it, and it was crazy concept again, but they were, they were terrible. They were so ugly. So that was sixth grade. Fast forward just a couple of years and my parents ended up getting a divorce. And it was a pretty nasty divorce. There was, um, <clears throat> there was physical fights. There were arguing fights. There was vandalism being done to each other's cars, spray painting things on top of it. I mean, just... It, it, it was a pretty bad divorce, but here's the thing, because now getting what I wanted was at an all-time high, right? Because now what's happening is I got two parents who are both trying to vie for my love and what side I'm going to be on. And so I remember I was with my pops one day, and we were at an ATV dealership, and we were looking, and he said, here's the deal. I will buy you this Yamaha Banshee as long as your mother agrees to it. Now, the Yamaha Banshee at that time, it cost over eight grand. It went over 90 miles an hour. It was the fastest 
four-wheeler that you could get at that time. So he said, you can have it as long as your mom says, okay. She said, no. My dad won that day. You know, but the, but the reason I tell you this is to point out that I had everything I wanted. In fact, I was just talking to a buddy recently who grew up with me in high school, and he was like, I, I had no idea, but he was like, dude, growing up, man, you had everything. Like, I wanted to be you. Like, you always had the coolest stuff. And he had hindsight, and we, we had a conversation that went further than that, but I never knew that he was jealous of just all the stuff I had. Because here's the thing, I had every material possession I asked for. I was popular. I had a lot of friends. I had girls that liked me. I had... I was, I was an athlete. I was one of the better players on the football team. No one would ever think of bullying me. I mean, man, on the outside, I was dripping gold. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was eighth grade football pitcher. You know, those, those highlights, those highlights were made from real gold. True story. That's a lie. That's not a true story. But this was, uh, this was my eighth grade football pitcher. Man, if you knew me, if you hung out with me, I was the man. But here's the thing. Even though I was going through this nasty divorce, had everything I wanted, everything going for me, but really, really, I hated my life. I hated it. I was so lonely. I thought about suicide all the time. I thought about how to do it. I would think about who it would affect what would it look like? I would battle with anxiety. I had such bad anxiety. Most nights I'd cry myself to sleep, hit and punch walls, throw things. All the while, while no one's watching, no one's seeing this. Because on the outside, there wasn't a single person. On the outside, I was the man. On the inside, I hated everything about myself and everything about my life. Had no meaning even though all that was going on, I hated it. I felt trapped. I felt tormented. And I didn't see anything changing. And nothing was going to make it change. Mark 5 says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, here's a man who's tormented. The Bible tells us, that he's got an unclean spirit, meaning that he's got demons oppressing and possessing him, torturing him, constantly whispering lies in his head. And it was so overwhelming that he spent the night screaming out in agony all through the night, even cutting himself to deal with this pain that he couldn't understand or comprehend. He was completely alone. And when he saw Jesus from afar, <clears throat> he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, 
Son of the Most High God. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. I'm not going to finish the whole story, not to spoil it, but Jesus wins. Jesus always wins. Hopefully I didn't spoil the whole Bible for you just then. But here's what happens. This man and his demons come face to face with truth. Like capital T truth. Like Jesus said himself, I am the truth. And so this man and his demons come face to face with truth. And the demons, the liars in his head, they wanted out. As soon as they came face to face with the truth, they wanted out. He introduces himself as legion because there are many. Who knows who they are exactly? Demon of self-image, demon of worthlessness, demon of unlikability. I don't know, but when these demons pile up on us, it becomes overwhelming, unbearable, and defeating. And some of you know exactly what it feels like to be tormented. To cry out in the night, to engage in different things, to numb the pain that you're dealing with, to hear certain messages over and over and over, and to hear lie after lie that you believe. A friend of mine once told me that the mind is like a dangerous neighborhood. Never go there alone. And I love that. Man, I grew up country. My other side of the family is Pruitt Road. You don't want to go in that neighborhood at night without somebody. That's a bunch of crazy red-blooded, redneck Pruitts that live on that road. But the mind is like a dangerous neighborhood. Never go there alone. Because what happens is when you go there alone, you start to process all these things on your own, through your own lens. And the problem is that you're already listening and buying into these lies. So then as you're trying to process all the other stuff in your head, you're processing it through this lens of lies and lies and more lies piled on top of that. And that was my problem. And it wasn't until a few years later that I came across a youth pastor who took the time to invest in me, ask me tough questions, and really get below the surface. It was the first time I really talked real with somebody. Helped me process all the things that were swirling around in my head, trying to help me get a little mentally healthier. Because it's hard to recognize the messages as lies. Because here's, here's the thing. They don't come in third person, do they? I don't hear, he's worthless. He's not good enough. They come in first person. Because in my head, I hear, I'm worthless. I'm not good enough. Not only does the enemy trick you into believing lies, but then he makes it, you think that it's your own ideas. So what happens is we hear these lies and believe them as truth. I don't have what it takes. No one will love me. I'm a failure. I'm unknown. I'll never be good enough. And we find ourselves in this dark place, this abyss that we, it, we have a hard time trying to figure out any way out and how we can get out of it and how we can climb out of this. 
because the lies just keep piling on and we become more and more riddled with anxiety and even depression. And a lot of times on the outside, we try to not be the tortured guy in the tombs crying out at night and people seeing what we're doing to ourselves. But the inside, that's exactly who we are. Until we can hear the whisper of, that's a lie, it's not what God says. It's, sorry, that's not what God says. Here's what God says. You're made in my image. You are mine. I know your smile and your tears. I know your hopes and your fears. You're not forgotten. I'll never leave you. And if we hear those truths and we can begin to believe those truths, then we start seeing some light out of that darkness. And we start being able to see there is something better out there. And that truth begins to light up our lives. But if we can start distinguishing between the lies and truth and really believe in that truth, it will change everything, I promise. Now hear this. There are things that we deal with mentally that counseling and even medicine would benefit in a huge way. But if we can start by distinguishing between the lies and truth and really believe in that truth, it'll change your life, your whole mental health. Invite somebody in. Don't constantly go to your mind by yourself. Invite an adult in. And if you're someone who's been walking through that with somebody, that can also be pretty heavy for you. Again, invite your D group leader in. Invite one of us on staff into that. Not that we're smarter than any of you. We've just lived longer. So we've had more life experiences. We can probably speak into some of that. And listen to this. Because if, if you miss everything tonight, catch this. You are wonderfully made with a specific intention. You are the first you that's ever been made. There will never be another you that will come along. You are the only you. You're not created, created to be the next anything. Only the first you. Because you are highly valuable. That's the truth. <laughs>